1: Aha. All right, and welcome to Against the Mat Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Kentucky guy. Along with your other co host, Donnie Cage. Ah, Mr. Cage. How's it going, sir?
0: It's going wonderful, Kentucky guy. It's another wonderful end to the week. Beautiful day outside where I'm where I'm sitting. I'm doing great.
1: Hey, you know, I noticed that WrestleMania next year is your neck of the woods. I actually got an email from one of our audience members. And, uh, yeah, they're kind of wondering if you'll take them to WrestleMania next year.
0: (laughs) Well, if I can manage to scrounge up a couple tickets, uh, then I might be able to take them up on that offer.
1: There you go. All right, folks. So if this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. Also hit the notification button so you know every time we upload a new episode. We are on 73 different audio platforms, including iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, and the list goes on. Mr. Cage also runs and uh, co-hosts another podcast, Sir. Go ahead and tell them about Uncaged Voice.
0: Yes, so we just dropped a brand new episode last week of the Uncaged Voice podcast, uh, where we talk about the Chris Rock Netflix special that dropped not too long ago, and also, talk a little bit about toxic relationships and other uh, fun topics. It's myself, top tier rated, and jigsaw jester that co hosts the Uncaged Voice podcast.
1: Fantastic. Yep. Get a chance to check them out. Also, if you like to stay up to date on current news, politics, and current events, I do host the Red Pill Current News podcast. We drop two to three episodes a week. We talk about all things in the pop culture as well as politics. Also, if you'd ever like to be a guest on this show, or have any questions for us, you can always email us at olkentucky99 at yahoo.com, olkentucky99 at yahoo.com. So, today's first part of the show, we we're very excited, we do have a special guest with us, and I would like to have a big, big round of applause for, he's an American professional stuntman and actor, Preston Urbale. Everybody, please welcome Preston to the show. <laughs>
2: What's up, guys? I've actually really been looking forward to this. I've been a a wrestling fan pretty much all my life, but especially the 90s, but we'll get into that later. Um, Introduce myself. I'm Preston Corbell, as he already spoke. Um, Stuntman. So I started late teens and stunts. Um, I really started when I was about 16, but I've been in entertainment since I was a kid, kind of doing little bit parts when I was a kid and modeling. But um, as far as stunts, I started when I was 16, um, did a movie called Cabin Fever, got to do a a character called Bunny Man, and um, did a lot of stuff since then. So I had a good 20-year career, um, done stuff like um, One Tree Hill, um, stunt double for Danny McBride and Eastbound and Down, and then some fun Marvel stuff like um, The Punisher and Daredevil, and then um, Doom Patrol, which is DC... But I mean, I've been a part of a hundred projects, so um, definitely a full career. Plenty of injuries to talk about now. Now that I'm retired, but um, I'm just excited to be here, guys, and I, I really appreciate. Oh you yeah,
1: me. We're, we're we're very excited to have you as well. Uh, so, since you mentioned it, I got to go ahead and bring it up. My daughter is a huge, huge fan of One Tree Hill and Vampire Diaries. I think you're in. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, what character did you play in the uh, Vampire Diaries or Stunk for?
2: Okay, so Vampire Diaries, um, I did a lot of what the what you call utility stunts, so what was needed for that time, but I did a lot of episodes for that. Um, as far as One Tree Hill, I had a cool part. Um, I did multiple seasons, but I was the main actor, Chad Michael Murray, Lucas Scott, I was his double. So um, I did a lot of the basketball scenes, and then just anything that doubled him, whether it's stand-in, photo double, or stunt double. I did that for multiple seasons. So that that's really the cornerstone of my uh, career was One Tree Hill. That kind of launched everything, and I'm kind of the um, where I learned a lot of my stunts, where I learned how to be a stuntman. So um, you know, uh, I I wanted to be taken seriously when I got out of One Tree Hill because that's your teeny bopper show, but. Now that I'm older, I look back at um, *Montreal* Hill and Vampire Diaries, and it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, I've heard that name, Lucas uh, Scott, uh, for years.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> from yeah, she's a huge fan. Um, okay, let's see here. So, uh, Donnie, go ahead, sir. i let you ask a questions here. But, well, Preston, you kind of talked a
0: little bit about how long you've been in the industry. Um, I mean, I guess, do you want to... Talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, your upbringing and kind of what led you in on this career path in the first
2: place. Um, Sure. So when I was a kid at age three, well, I'll get through it fast, even though I'm starting at age three. But um, I was a basketball player. I had basketball in my hands all throughout childhood and um, teens. I was a really good high school player, but um, I got a scholarship. For San Diego State to play there, a D1 school, and um, I entered you know, freshman year in doing uh, summer basketball, uh, ruptured my Achilles, so that was really the end of basketball, but leading up to that, that, was my whole life, my whole life was basketball, I mean, that's what I dreamt of doing, that's what I loved, and um, I had that catastrophic injury of rupturing my Achilles, which really takes you out of basketball, pretty much, I mean, that's, that's one of the worst injuries to have, and um, I was kind of just there... Pain but just recovering and it takes a year to recover from that and that's kind of where I was like, okay basketball is not going to be it anymore So what do I do? And um, I got into stunts. So I grew up in uh, uh, Newport Beach, uh, Orange County and um, I was able to um, do some stuff in LA but um, Stunts was really okay. I was like basketball is not going to work out So I'm going to put everything into stunts and that's what I did and um Throughout my career. I was kind of the guy that wasn't scared of anything the guy that was ready to do anything you asked me to do and um, That's that's you know, pretty pretty uh, you got to be a part of being versatile in stunts got to be ready for whatever comes your way not everything's planned out Um, injuries come upon us and um, We just have to be ready and not not don't have fear and a lot of people think we're adrenaline junkies and we're not Um, when we're you know jumping off a building we're getting hit by a car set on fire Um, You got to be calm and you got to get get out of that that uh, that scene or that Whatever you're doing, you got to get out of there safely and not get injured because if we're injured, we don't we don't have a paycheck. So um, we're the opposite of uh, adrenaline junkies We're we're actually just trying to get out of there unscathed and unhurt But um, I mean just growing up. I've kind of always been in entertainment but basketball was my thing didn't work out Put everything into stunts, and it turned into twenty years. So I guess that's a pretty good consolation prize. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, is is the uh, is that a popular industry in the area that you grew up in? Stunts or
2: uh, um, entertainment was. I mean, I, I went to school with some some kids who were, in, or, you know, fairly known actors and um, people that were in the industry. I went to high school with them, and um, kind of. So that's, it's the Richie part of California, Newport Beach. So you were, I mean, Laguna Beach reality show was just kicking in. And um, so there was a lot, I was around a lot of people in that industry. Um, But I mean, stunts, I really, I mean, I went out to North Carolina, um, did Cabin Fever, and then um, Montre Hills filmed in North Carolina. A lot of the stuff I did is kind of East Coast, New York. So I kind of went away from LA. LA is really hard to break into. Um, and there's a lot of work but there's even more people trying to get into it so I think a big secret part of my career was kind of working at smaller markets Vampire Diaries was in Atlanta um, you got Wilmington, North Carolina with One Tree Hill and then I can do Marvel stuff in New York so you can kind of be versatile and not just stick in LA gotcha.
1: yeah. and, uh, so I've done some research on Stungman, uh, uh preparing for uh, our show today and uh, I've noticed that a lot of them it's almost unheard of you managed to be in the industry for two decades. So there's got to be something yeah. that separates you from the norms in the industry. What would you think that is?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Most people at, at longest last 10 years and um, to have a successful career, and a lot of people don't start until they're almost 30. Um, I think a lot of mine is I kind of, I wasn't afraid to be a stand-in. I wasn't afraid to be a photo double. And um and a stuntman at the same time. So when you you're doing everything for uh, Lucas Scott, you can work every single day as a stand-in. So you can get a paycheck every day. You can you can be on salary every day and kind of um, be able to work constantly. And if you're just a stuntman, you're working on whatever project comes. You might not have work for months. Um, you might get injured and you're out. So um, I was always willing to do other roles in between stunts. Um, I did some pretty cool acting roles. But um, I did a lot of independent films of my own, um, making making films, and um, I did a cool children's show called the Casey Files, which was on PBS and Amazon before everyone got on Amazon. But um, I always kept busy. I mean, and and I always was able to do different things in between stumps, which definitely made my career. Yeah, do
1: you believe that uh, diet and exercise played a factor in that as well?
2: Oh shoot. Um, when I did One Tree Hill, I was, I was doubling a guy who was about 170. Um, at the same time, just different parts of that year, I was doubling um, Eastbound and Down, Kenny Powers, who was about 230. So you're talking 60 pounds that I have to fluctuate within a year, and that was three three to four seasons um, that I did that. So you you have to be at a point where you can lose weight quick and you can gain weight quick. And the key is to stay in that that range. So whatever role comes up, it's like, hey, I can play that really quickly. Hey, I can fill that role really quickly, and then I can go back to what I need to be at. So um, I really found resistance training is fantastic. Um, It's low impact and you're able to um, just, you're able to adjust um, your weight and your appearance and you wanna just get get close to what the actor is. Um, But uh, nutrition too, I mean, you have to be real dialed in. And um, I think a great thing with nutrition is I'm getting paid to lose weight. Um, I have motivation to gain weight and get to this point. So, it's a job. I mean, food, there's no, like, eh, I want to eat this or "Eh, I want to eat that. It's like, I need to hurry up and do this correctly so I can meet my goal in three months or I don't have a job.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I noticed, uh, I think it was last year, you wrote out uh, Stunt Beast. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that?
2: Um, Stunt Beast kind of, I I retired about two years ago. Um, I am beat the hell up. Uh, My body just couldn't take it anymore. And um, I started Stunt Beast uh, mainly on Instagram, but... It's just kind of we we built a little community there where we're positive. It's mainly focused on fitness, but a lot of mental health stuff too. As I'm a mental health therapist now, um, but it, it's just about positivity. It's about putting out the whether you're just barely doing weights, whether you're doing a ton of weights and you're a bodybuilder, whether you're a normal person. It's all positive, and we all communicate through um, leaving comments and people DM me, and it's just a nice community that we built there. So it's just all positivity.
1: And then, uh, Donnie, I'll ask one more, and I'll let you uh, follow up. Uh, so I've, in this business, especially for two decades, I'm sure you've faced a lot of different types of injuries. Uh, can you tell us, like, what maybe was the major, the the worst injury you've had to recover from?
2: Um, it was at the very end. Um, I was working on a very big show for uh, Marvel. And um, I had wire work, which I'm not too familiar with. Wire work up into that point, I did a lot of practical stuff. So you know, if you get hit by a car, you get hit by a car, jump off building, jump off building. Um, wire work, a lot of screen, green screen, and um, I wasn't familiar with that. But anyway, um, I was strapped um, up to a wire, and we were in between scenes, and um, it retracted really quickly when I wasn't prepared at all, and um, I landed on like my right hip and tore a lot of muscles in my back. And um, that injury took just, just forever to recover. But not only that, I, I laid there. And as a stuntman, you need to suck it up and you need to do the next job to get it, get it going because that's our job is to be tough. And um, I said, after 10 seconds, I'm good. And then I went back to the hotel room and I, I was I cried all night because the pain was ridiculous. And um, that was about two years ago. And um, actually, uh, as, sad as, as sad as it sounds, <laughs> I, I uh, did a lot of leads yesterday. For about two hours and my back's like just I mean it it feels like it's broken. So back injury and that injury has just knocked me out, man. There's nothing like back pain. That's just brutal.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, unfortunately I've had some back injuries in the past, so know a little bit about that. Uh, Mr. Cage. All right.
0: So uh so Preston, you know, I, I know you've I know you've mentioned how you've worked as a stunt double, a photo double, a stand in all, all, You know, throwing out all this different industry terminology, for people who are, I, I have some familiarity myself, because I've worked in the film industry as well, but for people who aren't familiar with these terms, like, what's kind of the difference between being, like, a stunt double versus a photo double versus a stand-in and all that?
2: Sure. So a stand-in, you're probably working, if you're working a TV show and you're doing one character, um, you're working every day, and um, the the actors are going to run through a scene. And then they're going to go get ready and it's going to take hours to set up lighting and um, it's going to place marks and get cameras in the right position. So you're standing in for that actor so they can get, they can line up the, the lighting exactly where when so when that actor comes back on that scene, boom, they're ready to go. So I'm standing in that position, I'm running through scenes of where they would walk through, um, I'm helping with lighting and you're working directly with the uh, director of photography um so that's a pretty cool job but um a lot of times you're just in there but um you get to work every day so that's awesome photo double um it can be anything from you know if lucas scott is playing basketball and i am suited up as lucas scott but there's no no camera on my face so it might be the back of my head it might be i'm going up for a basketball shot and it's just a glance at the side of my face but you know i make a layup and Chad michael is not doing that at that time so It's where you look exactly like the actor. You're just not getting a straight shot of your face. So in that position, you're actually in the scene or stand in your behind the scenes. And then stop double, um, uh, let's say Danny McBride from Eastbound and Down did like a Ski-Doo scene or he did different things that involve a Marvel do some crazy stunts. You are doubling a specific actor and you are doing exactly what that actor would do except they don't want that actor to get hurt so you're doing it for a lot less money and if you get hurt eh, it happens so you are actually unseen again but you're doing more dangerous stuff would be my best explanation all right thank you thank you for that and uh you know i've always
0: wondered because you worked on shows like vampire diaries and one tree hill but then you've also been on the bigger budget you know blockbuster series like daredevil and doom patrol and punisher for you i mean what's i mean how do you describe the difference in the experience of working on a show like one tree hill versus working on a marvel project
2: I think um, like One Tree Hill or, or um, Vampire Diaries. It's easy to think, ah, what do they even need stuntmen for? Or, what are they even doing in that show? It's a, you know, it's a teeny bopper show. How many stunts can they possibly have? But you'd be surprised. Um, uh, and a thing with the show, if you're you're one of the main stuntmen or one of the main doubles, you can. They can say, okay, you're getting hit by a car today, and it's like, whoop! I had no preparation for that. So a lot of stuff is thrown at you, and you got to do a lot of different things with not a lot of preparation where if you're on a Marvel show, they're casting stuntmen for exactly this one thing. They might be really good at martial arts, they might be really good at fighting um, with swords. So um, you go through a very thorough um, practice with the stunt coordinator, and um, it's a very different, maybe methodical uh, process um, with different stuff. I did a movie called Escape Plan with uh, Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger and um, it, they were in prison so there was a lot of what you would call utility stunts where they are just doing everything and they, they, get the act, they get pulled left and right you're doing this, you're doing that with seconds of notice um, so that's kind of chaos but it's kind of like you, they depend on you to have knowledge so they're not sitting there teaching you as you go you need to go in there and just be plugged in and ready wow. to go yeah
1: uh, <clears throat> so uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Stallone <laughs> there are a couple names that we've heard of before <laughs> so, you know. on your uh, in your uh, Marvel comic uh, movies and so forth, you mentioned you were a, you were a huge wrestling fan. That's especially in the uh, I guess Attitude Era. It sounds like have you had a chance? Have you had a chance to work sure. uh, with any? Because we have a lot of uh, ex professional wrestlers that are in these movies now. Have you had a chance to work with like a John Cena or a Rock or any of
2: those? The only one I've really worked with was Triple H. Um, and the chaperone. It's called a movie called Chaperone. Um, that's the only one. Um, I would love to, but uh, no, I haven't. Triple H
1: is uh, probably one of my favorite wrestlers ever. It's amazing that you got to work with him. Yeah. What's he like in real life?
2: Um, really, really good. I mean, he he was great to everyone on on the, the cast or every, all the crew, and um, he was just he went in there and he took pride in his acting. He took pride in the project, and um, just really kind of like positive energy and kind of. He just felt encouraged when he went up Yeah, so, them, exactly. so
1: I, I remember that movie. That was actually uh, in the. He, that's a younger Triple H. That's a Triple H uh, almost in his prime, right?
2: Yeah uh, it's an older movie.
1: Fantastic. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about the Attitude Era. Who is your uh, Who is your guy for your team? And uh, who'd you root for?
2: I, I always, I'm, I'm a cliche Hulk Hogan fan. Always was, but um, when I went to New World Order and they were a little, little bad boy Hollywood and stuff, it was pretty cool. Uh, Razor Ramon and all that. Um, but man, I just loved wrestling. Macho Man. I really loved um, Jake the Snake, who's um, had, you know, a little tone more later in his life. But um, I always loved him back in those days. So I just really enjoyed yeah, wrestling. And I as think a fan. it was a
1: lot easier too back in those days. What do you think about the product then
2: and the product now? Um, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't follow it as closely now as I did when I was a kid. Um, it's, I think it's just more show, which I understand it was show in the 90s and 80s too. It's just more theatrical now. It's very, there's lights, there's, there's just a very huge production going on, which naturally you're going to have that with time and technology, but... I don't know. I don't feel as close, I guess, to the wrestlers, where in the 90s you kind of felt like you're really rooting for this guy. Or you're really a part of what they're doing as a team or, or, or what this guy's image is, and now it seems like it's kind of more like a production and you're not as close I to the I say it characters. all the time.
1: Back in the 90s in the Attitude Era and so forth, uh, the wrestlers made you care, and uh, the finishing yeah. moves actually were finishing moves. You did 20 of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, also, I think, I think the internet, I wanted to get your opinion on this. I think the internet has hurt the wrestling world as in, you know, it used to be, okay, we kind of knew it wasn't, you know, real, but there was still the speculation there. Now with the internet, you can even get, you know, pretty much what happened before the show even comes on. So I think it's hurt the business a lot. What do you think about that?
2: Um, well i'll touch on the real thing um it is you know it's pre-planned and and whatnot and people can say it's fake but man the the beating those people take on their bodies and the injuries are insane and um i do compare stunt stuntman a little to wrestling i think that's the closest thing i would compare to it but man wrestlers really take a beating and that's not fake and you watch all the older ones and they're barely walking and those injuries and the the pain that they go through and um the dedication is definitely not fixed so mass respect for them um internet kind of gets everyone because everything everything anyone does is on the internet and um i think it does kind of suck the magic out of it and it does kind of focus on the pre-planning or what people would call fake and and the production so i think it kind of sucks the fun yeah, a little, that, to find um, out
1: it's that mysterious wonder you know uh okay uh mr cage
0: yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a good point, Preston. That's a really good comparison uh, comparing stunt stuntmen to wrestlers because, you know, as even though it's all quote-unquote pre-planned and scripted, if you will, at least the outcome, these are real risks that these guys are taking on a daily basis. So it's like when I... My, fa- my favorite story is the one from the 80s where you had um, the wrestler uh, David Schultz who got into the... Argument backstage with the reporter. I think he was from ABC or wherever. But they they did a documentary about it, and um, and he actually slapped him across the face when the guy said, "Well, I think wrestling is fake," because I mean, no, I mean, yeah, the end result might be fake, but they're scripted. But the risks we're taking in that ring each and every night are not fake. We have real bumps and bruises and <laughs> separated shoulders and every other injury you could you could imagine. So. Have a little respect for what these people do on a daily
2: basis. I mean, look, what I'm doing. If if you go on by um, the, however they figure that wrestling's fake is what I'm doing is just as fake because I'm on a TV set, I'm on a movie set, and it's pre-planned. Someone wrote it years ago, and they're gonna edit the hell out of it, and everyone's gonna know what happens way before it actually happens. But um, just like wrestlers, man, bodies are beat up. And uh, we take a lot of pounding. And um, when someone does get in the face and say, "Hey, this is fake," can you imagine going through all that as a wrestler and um, lifelong injuries? And someone says, "Hey, that's fake." Yeah, that's gonna piss you the hell off. So <laughs> I would say, I would say for sure, it's it's not fake. You know, it's pre-planned, but it's yeah, man, it's it, not if fake. If it was on fake,
1: you wouldn't have uh, fatalities. You know, there's actual fatalities in the wrestling yep. so. uh, Mr. Cage, do you have any other questions for our guests? You know,
0: I I guess my only other question I have for you, Preston, is I'm sure you know you, you mentioned some of the names of these actors that you worked with over the years. For you, if if you could name one or two, who were the best people that you worked with over the years in the industry?
2: Um, sure. Number one would be easy. Uh, Ben Stiller. I worked on two projects with Ben Stiller, um, about two or three years apart, and um, I mean, I, I've always looked up to Ben Stiller's. You know, one of the greats, Mount Rushmore of comedy. But um, I worked on one project with them, and I talked to him, you know, every once in a while on set, but nothing big. And then about two to three years later, I did a movie with them again. And within the first, um, I just kind of crossed each other. He remembered the conversation we had three years ago, and it wasn't even like a huge conversation, but he remembered exactly what we talked about, and that's incredible. Someone from his caliber to remember. Uh, how many people does he meet? How many people does he interact with? And he remembers that three years ago is insane. So that is a true class gentleman. And um, just he was so everyone loved working with him. He, he was really everyone loved being around that man. So he's my number one. Um, number two, uh, I've I worked with a lot of cool people. Um, I think the one thing, and I didn't directly work with her, but uh, Brooke Shields was on set of Eastbound and Down once. Um, her husband, I'm not sure if they're still married or not, but he was one of the executive producers, so she was on set. And um, I think that's the one time where she walked in on set and like everything froze. like Everyone stopped and looked. It's, it's Brooke Shields. It's kind of, in a good way, kind of like a god figure. And um, I, I just remember that, that, that time of being there, and I was like, man, this is awesome. You know, and she wasn't even a part of the show. She was just there, but um, that's that's definitely that was a moment that stuck
1: out. My question is, uh, have you ever been starstruck when you've seen that?
2: I think everyone was. I think everyone on set, and you're talking about HBO, and Will Ferrell was there. I mean, I think everyone's just, like, she just walks in, and everyone just stops, and, okay, this person yeah, has I some mean, she's
1: been an actress since, what, the age of 13 or 14. She's highly decorated. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any, uh, it sounds like you've worked with the, uh, Quite a bit of different actors and, and actresses and so forth. Any funny stories or anything you can share, like humorous that might have happened on set with one of them,
2: Um Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I don't get asked that very much, and um, that's a good question. Um, I will say one thing. Uh, one Tree Hill. Uh, we were doing the party scene in one of the characters' houses. I think the parents were gone. There was a lot of extras um, there. I don't know, fifty to a hundred. And uh, the character I was doubling was on table like dancing, so they did like the full run through with all the extras there before that actor came in, and I was on the table just running through what he would um, dancing, and while I was dancing, my pants split in the back of uh, the back end, and I didn't have any underwear on, so that was that was definitely um, a funny um incident and uh, uh in front of a lot of people because all the extras were there but oh, i thought it was funny it could be embarrassing but now it's it kind of gets a little boring and mundane sometimes so when you have fun events that happen it's kind of a, a that good is, thing to uh, have
1: so <laughs> I, I would I, I find that very funny so <laughs> yeah, right, uh, sure. mr cage any other questions sir
0: no i just uh i just want to say it was a pleasure having you on today preston it's uh great to talk with uh Somebody who's not only a wrestling fan, but also someone who works in the film industry, uh, like I do. So it's uh it was great having you
2: on. Hey, thanks Donnie. Um I know Donnie, I did see you follow me on Instagram. I appreciate that. And um anyone out there, hey, um follow me on Instagram. We're a family and um we all Yeah, I was just to say any so. of your social
1: media or website you wanna promote go you can go ahead and do that now.
2: Uh I'm just on Instagram man. I uh I I'm I'm a molder so I don't I don't get on all the other stuff. I just focus on um Instagram and then um cameo. Um I do some cheap cameos, you can get on there and give shout outs, happy birthdays and whatnot. I just like to connect with fans and well, that so that's always fun.
1: Once again, Preston from us, uh, thank you so much for joining today's show. And uh, man, if you ever want to come back on, just let us know, okay?
2: All right, thank your audience for uh, having me. I had a blast. So Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: Wow. So uh yeah. Uh, once again, thanks, Preston, for joining the show. Uh, very, very interesting. When you say it was a,
0: it was a great, a great guy to talk to. Very interesting stories about the industry, and I, I love what he's doing on Instagram uh, with with his page. Uh, definitely, anyone who uh, wants to read some inter- inspirational stories, definitely follow Preston Corbell on uh, on Instagram.
1: Two decades in the field that you love doing, uh, boy, oh boy, that's something. That's a That's the American dream, right? The American dream. All right. So let's talk a little bit about wrestling before we end today's show. And the reason why we, why we're doing things a little bit different, uh, folks is because there's so much right now being talked about in the world of professional wrestling. And you guys know that we like to set the record straight. We like to be on top of it and bring you guys, not rumors, but the actual news. So, uh, let's, uh, Let's talk about Monday Night Raw real quick. Monday Night Raw was the worst, the worst Raw, not just Raw after WrestleMania, but the worst Raw that I have seen in a year. And I'll get you and, I, and Donnie, I'll get your, uh, your thoughts on this, uh, right afterwards. But yeah, in, in, in at least a year. Now there was rumors that Vince McMahon did some rewrites on the show and this is true. This is true. However, the panic that you've been hearing all week about superstars wanting to leave Vince McMahon's ahead of uh, creative control and Triple H is on his way out because of the because of the news, the sell of the WWE. Folks, this is all flabbergasted garbage. Okay? Basically, what's happened was Vince McMahon was there because he was there for WrestleMania. And yeah, he did Change a couple of things, and he did try to throw his weight around a little bit. Which, of course, you have a business, you know, for years and years and years. You turn it into a global phenomenon, and then you sell it. You want to kind of measure yourself, right, <laughs> in front of the world. I don't know how else to put it, but you know, try to throw it out there that you're top dog. However, that has been all rectified. Okay, Triple H is the head of creative. Vince McMahon is, does have the final say. However, the new company, Endover, has a lot, a lot of respect for Triple H for what he's done. They love Vince McMahon's, and this is not, you can go research this yourself. This is not rumors. This is not hearsay. This is what I know. They love Vince McMahon's brain when it comes to the industry, not the creative part, but the business part. This is why he's chairman of the board. And president of the WWE and the new company. However, Michael Cole said it best. Said it best last night on SmackDown. He said Triple H was one of the best wrestlers ever. And now he's the boss. And he is the boss. So rest assured. A lot of people thought on SmackDown last night. Triple H was going to come out. And he was going to say something like. He's leaving or uh, Vince McMahon is in charge. You know, just random and raving. That wasn't it. He came out to announce the draft. It's coming up soon again. And by the way, I found a date that it should be happening on, and that should be May 8th in Jacksonville, Florida. Write it down. That should be, that, that's the only date that really makes sense because it's right after the May 6th Puerto Rico backlash and right before the uh, Saudi Arabia being queen of the ring. So anyways, I, I just want you guys to understand, Triple H just talked about the draft, talked about how well, uh, WrestleMania did and broke all these records. Trust me, they see these guys. I don't care how much they love Vince McMahon, they see what Triple H did at WrestleMania. They see what happens when you take it away from them just a little bit with the RAW following WrestleMania. So, and SmackDown, by the way, wasn't great, but it was a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. And there was no changes. And Vince McMahon was not on site during SmackDown, which should tell you the complete story. Because when he was a part of creative and in the weeds on creative, he was at every single live event. Your thoughts, sir?
0: Well, I'm glad we got this little bit of reassurance that things are not going to change as drastically as people thought they were. Because believe me, I was one of those people who hit the panic button on Monday after Raw. Raw was absolutely one of the worst that I've seen in a long time. Um, and even though I don't watch it on a weekly basis, I could still tell you from watching highlights and reading up about it when raw is good and when it's not good. And I tried watching it this week and it was, it was a tough watch. Um, it really just felt like a standard episode where Vince was calling the shots behind the scenes. I could tell things were being rewritten at the last minute. The promos weren't that great. That whole, and we'll get into it after Kentucky Guy, but that whole twist at the end of Raw, I, I still don't know how I feel about it. I Honestly, I've got mixed feelings, but from a storyline perspective, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and yeah, I, I got nervous, but lo and behold, SmackDown comes around, and it's back to the way things were these past several months, and that's great for the future of the product, and I'm happy to hear that the draft is going to be back, Because we can finally mix things up. And hopefully we'll get back to wrestlers being brand exclusive once again. Instead of constantly jumping back and forth between Raw and SmackDown. So rest assured it looks like WWE has a good future lined up.
1: Yeah, and let's get those belts separated. SmackDown and Raw belts again. Universal and world titles. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Yeah, so let's talk about what... The storyline makes zero sense. Brock Lesnar uh, just destroying Cody Rhodes at the end of Raw. It, it made no sense whatsoever. And Brock Lesnar, I, I listened to a couple of his interviews, and yeah, he really doesn't have an explanation for it either. So what are your thoughts on that? I know you, you hinted on it just a second ago, but I, I just I don't get it. When
0: I say I have mixed feelings, I just mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to see Cody Rhodes and Brock Lesnar wrestle. I think that could be a good match, but there's got to be a reason for them to be facing each other. Brock Lesnar, you look at his history with Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman and the bloodline, he hates the bloodline as much as Cody Rhodes would hate them. I mean, he's been in wars with Roman Reigns over and over and over again, so... Who better than to come out and be Cody Rhodes' partner in this main event match on Raw? And not to mention, it would have just been awesome, the novelty of seeing Brock Lesnar wrestle a match on Monday Night Raw. But we didn't get that. Instead, Cody Rhodes gets introduced by the announcer, and Brock just destroys him. I sat there like, WTH, what does any of this even mean?
1: And you know, what's weird is, and you got to give it up to uh, Solo and Roman Reigns, (laughs) They actually looked shocked. (laughs) They act like they didn't know what was going on either. And it just, it was a, it was just a disaster. Raw was, you know, and maybe, you know, I thought about it and I was like, maybe I had too much hype going into it. Because I had a a lot of hope going into this Raw because normally the Raw after WrestleMania was, is usually phenomenal. Sometimes even almost as good as WrestleMania. This WrestleMania As you guys have already heard, in my feelings, is it was good. It could have been great, but it was only good. Uh, So I was thinking, man, they're going to make it up on Raw. Raw's going to be huge. You know, this is the first Raw, if you go back and do some research, in many years where nobody from NXT was pulled up. Nobody. Even Braun Breaker, who lost his title uh, the weekend before, wasn't pulled up. I thought for sure he'd be pulled up. No surprises, nothing kind of blah. And then you've got Bailey who's supposed to be on the show was pulled off. Don't know why. And there's just so many questions. And I have a feeling, by Mr. Cage, that a lot of questions to Monday night raw and what happened. I don't think we'll ever have answers to. What do you think?
0: I, by WWE logic, I would agree with that assessment. Kentucky guy. Um, yeah, there were a lot of things that they could have followed up on this past Monday, and they and they just didn't.
1: And here's two things on on last night that kind of irritate me just a little bit, and I don't know, uh, I don't know why they keep beating a dead horse. First of all, Finn Balor and Judgment Day. Why are you still talking about Edge? That should have been the end. Why are you talking about that match? Why are you mentioning? Why are the words? It does not make any sense at all to have the word the the name Edge come out of uh, of your mouth. And then the second one that I also thought we should be way past is why in the world is Gunther and Sheamus, are are they going for another match or something? Why do we have Imperium fighting the uh, Brawling Broods or whatever their names are? Man, let that go. It's time to move on. We've seen Sheamus and Gunther, Sheamus and Gunther. It's time for Gunther to have new opponents and just move on. So there's two storylines that really, I think, they're they're wore out and need to be moved on. What do you think?
0: 100%. And, um, I mean, come on. I mean, Gunther could have had a new challenger in the form of, like, uh, Ashante the Adonis or uh, Top Dalla. <laughs> um, no, but uh, no back to your point, though. Um, yeah, I mean... Gunther defeated Drew McIntyre and Sheamus decisively at WrestleMania. It's time to go and move, move on, give him new opponents, give Imperium new opponents, quite honestly. I, I don't know why they're going back to that feud, which should be ended at this point.
1: Yeah, and I don't, how are you going to work Pete Dunne out of there and become Pete Dunne again if you're going to keep rehashing the same thing, same thing? Bye, bye once again, and I know we talk about it every week. And I'm going to finish up on this note right here uh, because I don't want to beat a dead dog. But once again, another SmackDown, another WWE week behind us. Once again, no mention whatsoever of Alexa Bliss, Uncle Howdy, or Bray Wyatt. I'm over it. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Kentucky guy, at this point, um, if they're going to do a, a total reset with Bray Wyatt or Uncle Howdy or Alexa Bliss, as far as I'm concerned, just just wait until after the draft at this point because I feel like we need a complete we need a complete reset with all three of them um, because they just kept giving us dropping all these hints, these QR codes, these mysterious promos, uh, teased a feud with Bobby Lashley that didn't go anywhere. Um, we, we we just need a fresh start. Um, I hate to say go go back and revive the fiend, but. If it's not broke, don't fix it, as the old saying goes. And uh, I don't think this new direction for Bray, Bray Wyatt really clicked. And it's time to go back to, and do something that did work.
1: Yeah, do, here, here's, you said the golden words. Do something. Do anything. Do something. Uh, and, and I liked the track that it was on, but you drug it out too far. And then, okay, maybe he is injured. You know, seriously injured. Uh, by the way, two, two highlights real quick that I did find out today. Number one, Randy Orton is not ready to come back on television just yet for the WWE. So those reports from Dave Meltzer, I'm not going to say that he was completely wrong, but he didn't have all his ducks in a row. And I like to go back and retract stuff when we report it and we find out that it's not 100%. He was not in LA. Randy Orton was not in, in WrestleMania. And he is not ready, from my understanding, to step back in the square circle. Uh, The second one is Drew McIntyre is unhappy with the money being offered to him and creative in his direction, which I'm fine. I hope he does go. He has not renewed his WWE contract as of right now, as of 30 minutes ago. He had not renewed his contract. Logan Paul has renewed another year contract with the WWE he is back on the books again. So just to kind of update you guys on those stories that we talked about earlier in previous episodes. But uh, that's all I have for uh, this show, Mr. K. Judge. So. I,
0: I, I feel like there was another story I wanted to talk about. I forget if it was AEW. I haven't really been following AEW as, uh, as much lately. But, um, you know, what do you... You know, we've got a big episode of Dynamite coming up, Kentucky guy. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, what's going to happen next? Uh, you know, do, do we feel like they're setting up a big feud for MJF? What's going to happen with the Blackpool Combat Club? Do you have any just general thoughts on AEW right now?
1: Well, I tell you what is, um, what's very interesting to me is Daniel Bryan is hill. Is a, it turned completely hill, and he's back on television. Uh, we all remember after he, his loss to MJF, he stated he needed to go home and, and what have you. We didn't know really what that meant. Uh, he came out and we didn't think that, uh, well, I thought he was actually going to turn against John Moxley and these guys, uh, because they're so hillish now, but they're just running roughshod over everybody. Black Bull Combat Club is so, and I can, I can kind of dig it. I got it. I don't think, uh, Will or Yuta really Fits that group anymore, not as a heel, but you know, and uh, MJF, uh, his uh, I look for his next title defense to possibly be a maybe a triple threat or a four way dance with uh, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, and uh, Darby Allen. Those are the they consider them all four of them the four pillars of AEW, and the Jungle Boy and MJF that's who's been really feuding here lately. However, Sammy did get involved this past Wednesday. Now, some exciting news on AEW. It's exciting and it's disappointing to me because I'm a huge WWE fan. But Jay White has officially signed a multi-year contract with AEW. So he will not be coming to the WWE anytime soon. Even though many in the WWE thought that they they had him and they were going to be able to sign him. But I did hear... Uh, And we did report it that they were not going to put all their eggs in that basket once they realized they had a shot at Kenny Omega. So evidently, Jay White, uh, they kind of passed on that, which is fine because Jay White, and you have Juice Robinson there now, and they're acting like they're the bull club, and I'm okay with that. The new Forbidden Door pay-per-view has really, the opening sales have been phenomenal from my understanding for AEW. The first day sales were, uh, and I think it's over in London. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be held over in London or somewhere like that. But the first the first day, like the first few hours were sellouts. So I think it's going to be good. I think AEW is in a really good position. I think they're in a better position because of fake rumors about the WWE. And when I say fake rumors, I mean the rumors about all oh, Vince McMahon's back in charge and blah, blah, blah. I do not think that they need the new television show that they're doing. I think I still believe they need to add on to Rampage because once again, how many times have we talked about Rampage? This episode or last episode? It's just an hour show. It's it's meaningless. So yeah, but that's about all I do know. I know that uh, there's rumors out there about certain individuals and in or uh, athletes in AEW um, saying that uh, they appreciate CM Punk and, whatever he did on his Instagram for that fan. Uh, yeah, don't believe all that stuff you read. They, they still do not want him back. 90% of the locker room does not want CM him back on AEW TV hope that answers your question,
0: yeah, no, it does. Um, and actually, I think my, the one other piece of AEW news that I read recently, and maybe you have some more uh, insight on this. I did read that currently, Brian Cage, who's one part, of, who's one uh, part of the uh, ROH six-man tag team champions, he's currently working without a contract, even though he's, you know, he hold, he's a title holder. Uh, so many people are wondering what's his future going to hold. Is he going to re-sign with AEW? Is he going to go elsewhere in the near future? What, what's going to happen with him? Because he, he's an often talked about hot free agent.
1: WWE is definitely interested in Brian Cage. He, uh, his contract is, uh, let's see here. I got an email on that. Okay, so his contract is expired. However, just like Kenny Omega, it looks like he was out with an injury for a little bit. So they've extended it. They haven't given an exact uh, date on when the uh, extension is up to. But he is technically, he's not under contract right now. However, they did extend it the, uh, the period due to the makeup time where he was injured. I don't remember him being injured, but I do remember him being off TV for a while. So maybe that's when it all happened. But WWE is definitely interested in him. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, that's all I uh, have for this episode, Kentucky guy.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Koto Tabashi uh, from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh. Uh, WWE and uh, his contract expired with New Japan. WWE and AEW both wanted him, by the way. And he made an announcement. I had it sent to me last night. He made an announcement that he is more comfortable with AEW because he has friends there. And that is probably the direction... He's going to go, so he's not. Doesn't look like doesn't look like WWE is going to get him either.
0: <laughs> so. that, that doesn't surprise me because I know that he was um, a participant in the Cruiserweight Classic a few years ago, and WWE, if I remember correctly, at the time did offer him a contract, but he actually turned down the offer um, because I think again at the time I think he was more interested in being a freelancer. He didn't want to get tied down, with, uh, you know, with a contract with one company. He did eventually go on to sign with New Japan and eventually became the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. But, uh, no, he's another great uh, free agent. I mean, if AEW were to uh, sign him, the he could have some great matches there.
1: And he was uh, tag team champions with uh, Kenny Omega, right? In New Japan. <laughs>
0: uh, the Golden Lovers. Yep, yep. A uh, lot of history with Kenny Omega.
1: Yeah, so that should be, uh, yeah, I mean, that might be a, a great fit for him. But you know AEW. Here's the thing, I can't stress this enough, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Uh, okay, it's great. You got you got Switchblade. You're probably going to get Kabuta. Here's the thing, man. You have all kinds of wrestlers now you're not utilizing, all kinds of them. <laughs> now I'm not going to go down the list anymore. But you know you have Maruro. I mean, there's a bunch of Andrade. And I understand that Ring of Honor. By the way, Ring of Honor, for you folks who have not been watching the weekly uh, television show on Ring of Honor, I like it as much as I do Dynamite. They have some fantastic matches on there. Have you been watching any of that, uh, Donnie? I know you're pretty busy, but
0: I haven't yet. But that, but that doesn't surprise me considering uh, the talent that they've that they've pulled into Ring of Honor at this stage.
1: Yeah, and I'm very happy to see that. Like. Everybody knows I've been a Ring of Honor fan for many years, and I'm glad that is not going away. But uh, it may surpass. It may, it may, if they throw the winning into it, surpass AEW one day because it really. Some of the matches I've seen on there, I'm like, wow, you know. So, and you got Mark Briscoe on there tearing it up, but you have the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, which is, uh, um, Pentagon and his brother Phoenix, which is pretty. Pretty freaking awesome. Oh, by the way, FTR, they re-signed with AEW a multi year contract, and they are the new AEW tag team champions. So kudos to them.
0: Let's give let's give them an extra round of applause for that. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. Finally, there's a legit tag team that is holding the AEW world tag team title once again.
1: Yeah, so much, so much deserving. So much deserving. All right, folks, so you've been listening to Against the Mat, a wrestling podcast. With your co-hosts, Donnie Cage and the Kentucky Guy. Hey, folks, I hope you have a great rest of the week. And as always, God bless. God bless America.